Thank you so much for tuning in to Stable Connections, the podcast. Today's episode is joined by Sydney J. Frank, who lets us in on her journey in the rodeo queen world, how it shaped her as a person today, and a little bit about her photography business. Hope you enjoy. Well, let's get started. So tell me about you. Tell me about moi. Um, my name is Sydney Frank, and I am 26 from Northern California. I started riding horses when I was about two here in Petaluma, and then I got my first horse at four. I started writing English. My mom wanted me to write English first because she wanted me to get my balance skills, and my uncle in New York had polo ponies. So she started writing English and then went Western, and she's like, you'll get better balance if you write English first. So I started English, and then when I was about six, I switched to Western, got into Gymkhana and play days and stuff like that, and then that fueled my desire to go and drive to go into more of like the rodeo world, so got more involved with barrel racing and then from there that turned into a bit more of like the speed event so I started high school rodeo in junior high so I did junior high rodeo where I competed in poles and barrels dabbled a little bit in roping was never really good at it <laughs> still am not good at it I try I'm like the one that's like valiant effort Sid but stick to barrels <laughs> and then I got into cutting when I was in high school and I did barrels, poles, and cutting throughout high school rodeo. Did you have your own horse at this time? I did. I've had my mare that I still own for, I've had her for 17 years. So I got her just after I turned nine. And then at that time we had five horses in the family. So my dad had his working cow horse, his cutting horse that I used. I had my barrel horse, my old team uh, penning horse, and then my sister had a pony that I was kind of ironic because she got the pony that I actually learned how to ride on. The opportunity came for us to buy her about six years after that. Her name was Cowgirl. She was a paint horse. Oh my gosh, she was so cute. She was bred way too early, so she bred at two. And so she was like a horse, but stunted. So she was like barely 13 hands, literally. <laughs> she just literally looked like she got like, nope, you're done. Freeze here in time. <laughs> but she was, a, she had ponyitis. She was such a bad pony. And she loved my sister though. I learned how to fall on this horse. All of my friends learned how to fall on this horse. Like any of my girlfriends that I grew up with, they're all like, oh yeah, cowgirl, she bucked me off. Or, oh yeah, she stopped going over a jump and I went right over her head. <laughs> or I tried to learn Western on her, took her on a trail ride and she bucked me off and ran home. Like that pony had everybody, like we called it our cowgirl stripes. Like you have to fall off three times before you're like a true cowgirl. And so everybody earned their cowgirl stripes off of cowgirl and then my sister got on her and she was like this little angel and we're like w we're only two years apart why in the two years does piper get to have the angel horse and all of us got bucked off and trampled on and thrown off and so i got pretty fortunate with being able to have multiple horses kind of one for each event because none of my horses were a jack of all trades and then my mare who i've still had she turns 21 in march she had an injury our senior year of high school and we were gonna go off to college and rodeo in college, but she actually developed kissing spine on her back. And so being the sassy 17 year old that I was, I didn't warm her up properly for a barrel race and came around my first turn and she popped her lumbard, 
was pretty lame from that, was in a lot of pain, and she ended up having to have eight months of severe rehab and therapy and stuff from that, and I ended up retiring her. She didn't make one comeback race, so it was from April to August that she was out. And then that late August, she did one final run and then she hasn't had to do it since and she just lives fat and happy. And I mean, she's completely rideable. She made a full recovery, but after eight years of like really hard traveling all the time and stuff. So she just gets to enjoy princess life, as we like to say. From there, that developed my drive to get more into the ambassadorship of rodeo. After spending my four years of high school and three years of junior high, competing in rodeo, I kind of felt lost and I didn't know what to do with my horse being hurt and not being able to compete at the same level. Even though she was able to compete, I just didn't really have the drive for it anymore. And at that stage in 2013, a lot of people were starting to spend like probably 10 times more than we ever like collectively as a community spent on barrel horses. In California, it used to be like, oh yeah, we have this really nice horse. It's super fast and can turn really well to make it a barrel horse. And then it turned into, now we're breeding into it. And that's always been a thing. I mean, that's how a quarter horse is a quarter horse. You breed for that. But then like my group of people that I competed with, instead of having like a mid five figure horse turned into having a six figure horse. And it was like, you could buy a house with that. And so at 17 without parental assistance, I was like, we're going to find an alternative to stay involved without having to compete with that. And I also just didn't have the drive for that. So I found out about becoming a rodeo queen and I started competing in rodeo queen pageants and learning about that world. And for the first like year from 2013 to 2014, I just tried to figure out what that was about because it's a whole different ball game from competing in the arena to being the ambassador and the face of rodeo. You're kind of more of like a PR person for the sport and you take a lot more of the media approach and answering questions at people that don't know anything about not just rodeo, but like the whole Western world as a whole, because Western isn't just a discipline of horseback riding. It's a whole discipline of how the West became what it is. So when the settlers were moving West with the cattle and the cattle drives and all that stuff, that's what developed our, as we call the way of life. It just was a whole different thing, learning how to explain that to people, explaining how rodeo became a sport and how what we do is the way we do it and why. Even in high school rodeo, we had high school queens. There was one queen in particular who competed in literally every event that females could compete in, plus also roped with her dad as like the one female that could definitely keep up with all the boys. Our junior year, she was our queen and then she placed pretty well at state and it kind of, I was like, oh, she can do it. like. She's not very girly. She definitely rides really well, which changed my perception of queens because there's like a stigma against queening in the rodeo world where it's typically thought to be like the girl that can't ride or the girl that can't barrel race, which for me, the person that like can't barrel race anymore. I felt that I was kind of falling into that. So that kind of opened my eyes up a little bit too. You don't have to just be the not super intelligent, not super good writer, pretty girl with curly hair to 
do that role. You can be a rodeo athlete that is also passionate about the education side and the ambassadorship side of it. And I competed in my first queen pageant at the Folsom Pro Rodeo over 4th of July weekend in 2014. And that just kind of spiraled everything out. I met some really great girls. The queen community most of the time is like a sisterhood. Once you get in with a bunch of girls, they're your friends for life, which is really nice. Kind of how rodeo is in general. And they just really take on that partnership role. And so even though I didn't win, I walked away with a bunch of friends and I had a good time and it was great. And I learned a lot and then I competed again. And my first queen title was Miss Gold Country Pro Rodeo 2016 up in Auburn. And then I held what I consider my hometown rodeo at Cal Palace, Miss Grand National Pro Rodeo. And then I was Miss CCPRA and I represented the state of California for California Cowboys Professional Rodeo Association. So the process of becoming a rodeo queen, at first I just thought you have to ride a horse, look pretty, smile and wave, kind of like that part in Madagascar where the penguins are like, smile and wave, boys, smile and wave. <laughs> Literally, that's what I thought. I, that's what the tasks were. And I had a pretty rude awakening at Miss Folsom Pro Rodeo Queen contest because you go through a whole interview process. So you have personal interview, you have horsemanship interview. During your personal interview, they ask you questions about yourself, your knowledge of the world, the knowledge of the anatomy of a horse, the basic signs of a colic, the vaccines that you give your horse, stuff like that. And then you have horsemanship interview, which is a little bit more of like the nitty gritty details of your horse, like your horsemanship pattern, how you got to where you are in your riding ability, the processes that it took to get to how you prepared for that pageant for your horsemanship, what kind of tack you're wearing, can you identify this piece of tack, what kind of piece of tack is this in the rodeo world, they'd show you like a piece of equipment from the rodeo arena could be anything from like a flank strap which is used in the rough stock events to a random timer and what event uses timers stuff like that so you get asked a whole array of questions and it can be literally it's open like you can depending on who your judges are you can literally get asked anything from tell me about your favorite horse and why that horse made an impact on you to how do you feel about the president of the United States? Like it's, <laughs> it's drastic what like vast knowledge that we have to have and we have to answer it in a very politically correct, you can't offend your sister's boyfriend's grandma. You can't offend the rodeo committee. You have to be very politically correct, but you also have to have your own opinion. So I had to learn as a sassy 18 year old who <laughs> thought she knew everything. I had to learn how to formulate my opinions in a way that was still very true to myself, but in a very respectful and approachable way. Like not just for anything, it was literally for everything from politics to how I talked about horses. Because as I learned down the road, I was approached by people that were a part of PETA and a part of different anti-rodeo, anti-farming, anti-everything who would be very abrasive and I had to be able to stand my own and hold a very politically correct conversation with them in a way that could educate them without forcing them to see my side because you obviously can't do that, but without offending them any further than they already felt offended. That was a pretty big eye-opening experience. So 
you have personal interview, horsemanship interview, your horsemanship portion, which is a modified reining pattern. So you have to show basic maneuvers of stopping, lead changes, rollbacks, or a quick turnaround on the hind end of the horse. Spins, which is basically just a quarter turn or a full turn on the hind end of a horse. And you have to show proper control during that portion as well as a flag run. I got handed a flag that literally felt like I was holding on to the American flag that would cover an entire football field. Like it literally was so big and so heavy. And at the time I was using a friend of mine's horse that literally was like maybe 14 too. And I was like, this flag weighs more than the horse. It's literally going to turn us over. This is, but you had to be able to adapt and move forward with it. And I had broken tack happen and just holding your composure and being able to show that you can handle what gets thrown at you. And then as everybody knows, that's been to a rodeo when you see rodeo queen is the traditional queen wave. So that's what you get judged on as well as speech. Depending on your pageant, you will have potentially radio interviews, media interviews, and then you're judged on it from anywhere from three judges to six judges. And Sometimes you do your speeches in front of a room full of five people or a room full of 500 people. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is all just prepping you for becoming the rodeo queen. Yeah. Right? So what do you feel like you had stand out the most for you to be chosen? My first year competing, the girl actually that I was competing against dropped out two days before the contest. So that was kind of entertaining. It kind of opened my eyes up to the other side of the queen world, which can be a little bit catty and a little clicky, which I did not at that time understand. I took it very personally and I was like, well, I don't understand. Like, what did I do wrong? And then for Cal Palace, what set me apart was... So all of my titles that I won, I ran for twice. So what really set me apart was I was not afraid to lose. And I knew as long as I just did a little bit better than I did the time before, I was winning for myself. And I really think that for where I was in my pageant at that time, set me apart from the rest of the girls that I was competing against because I had the confidence within myself to be okay to receive negative criticism about my performance. I was okay to not win, but I also knew that I was there for a purpose and that was to represent my, I call it my sport because it's, I take a lot of pride in being a queen. All queens call it our sport, but it's my sport, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> very possessive. But what set me apart for some of them was my confidence in being able to speak to a large crowd. I have a lot easier of a time public speaking than some people. A lot of people get stage fright. I can memorize a speech really well. Oh, the other thing that we get judged on is modeling. I don't know if I said that. Oh, we didn't. Yeah, we have to model uh, leather dresses. It's leather. great. That sounds heavy. A heavy and hot. <laughs> like, whew hot not like oh like nice leather jacket no no like collarbone to wrist to your toes in full leather and a felt hat and your hair curled with a full face of makeup on in the summertime oh, so like God. 100 degree heat yeah getting your dress off is quite entertaining <laughs> okay. and you have to hope that you're not sweaty yet to get your dress on do you choose the dress that you wear mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you choose your own wardrobe. One of the things that's changed over the last like 10 years is they've kind of moved away from leather dresses and it's a little bit more open now. So you can choose a fabric dress, but leather just looks super clean and it will help you stand out against girls in fabric dresses. So yeah, that was the other thing is 
I was a dancer when I was in, I did everything when I was a kid, but I was a dancer and I also played water polo. So from dancing on stage to playing water polo in something that I would never let like my future children out of the house in, <laughs> cause our swimsuits are literally like the size of like a Barbie swimsuit. I had the confidence to just be like, well, take me as I am and I'm gonna do my best, which I think helped give me the confidence to grow and adapt and gave me the upper hand to learn. Plus I also had a background in rodeo, so I felt comfortable more so than girls that didn't have a background in rodeo to answer rodeo terminology and rodeo experience more personalized. Cause you can have an amazing queen that does not have any rodeo background. Our current Miss Rodeo California, who is one of my closest friends, not the current one, she's going to be the 2022 Miss Rodeo California. She actually does not have a rodeo background, but she is one of the best queens I've ever had the pleasure of reigning with. So to say that you have to have a background in rodeo to be a good rodeo queen is false, but that was something that gave me personally a little bit of an advantage because I don't, I don't lie. I can't lie. <laughs> it's not something that I do well. You can tell if I'm lying. People are gonna be like, ooh, that, that face of you is uh, <laughs> not honest. So it helped me be able to have that personal touch to it so I could speak very from the heart about things in rodeo, about my personal opinions and stuff. So it gave me a little bit better than just memorizing the rodeo terminology that some girls that don't have that background have to do, which I felt really helped me. I definitely lost to girls that had no rodeo background, so that doesn't give you the upper hand normally. Just the years that I won, that is what I felt gave me the upper hand. So when I won my first title, you're competing against yourself. You have to reach a certain score to still be eligible to win the title. So when I won that title... This is when the girl of, dropped out? Yeah. Okay. That was kind of disheartening because I was... I won by default basically. And then my second title, I consider my hometown rodeo. So growing up in Novato, Marin County doesn't really have rodeos. So we went down to Daly City to the Cow Palace for Grand Nationals for our home rodeo, or we went north to here in Santa Rosa for the fairgrounds rodeo. But Cow Palace was the bigger rodeo. It used to be your last chance money winner to go to the WNFR, which is the Wranglers National Finals Rodeo, which is the Super Bowl for cowboys and cowgirls. So that was really cool when I won. I did compete against two girls. Um, one of them in particular, I got to pass my crown down to. And so it was a really great competition and it was my hometown rodeo. It was friends and family in the stands. And I felt really honored to represent that title because that is where I got the start to having a bit of pride in the rodeo because we're in the middle of San Francisco in Daly City. Like that's not, you don't consider that cow town. You don't consider that rodeo, like you go out to Oakdale or you go out to Texas. Everybody revolves around rodeo or the Western way of life or cattle or whatever. And here in Sonoma County, we have a little bit more of that, but down there we did not. And so I was the only one in my high school that rodeoed. So being at the Cow Palace was that like spark of pride. Like, yeah, I am a rodeo person. I am a horse person. And that is part of my identity at that point. So winning that title, I finally felt like I found my stride and I felt a bit of pride in that. And then I competed for Miss Rodeo California for the PRCA, which is a professional rodeo cowboys association. And I lost. I knew the second I walked into that competition, I was not the judge's favorite. And mm -hmm. the judge's something you have to learn when you're a rodeo queen is 
Just because you lost doesn't mean you didn't do a good job. It just means you weren't what the judges were looking for to fill that role. And when I walked in, I had my first encounter with the judges and I was like, they're not going to pick me. They're not going to score me well because the opinions that I have and the way I hold myself is going to be too abrasive and too intimidating for the way that we're conversing. And I knew, I knew right away to the point where I also was sick. So I just, oh, no. yeah, everything that was going wrong went wrong with that. I walked into my personal interview, sat down, my dress ripped and my dress fit perfectly, but it just like the seam because it's leather, like the, the string pulled apart and it was, it was a whole thing. So I literally knew right then and there that I wasn't for me, which was fine. I, my girlfriend who is now the going to be that title, we were there together. We got to room. It was a great experience, but I just knew. So I got home from that and I was like, okay, well, I'm not done yet, but I also like, I'm ready to be bigger than just a local hometown rodeo queen. So I went to the CCPRA, the California Cowboys Professional Rodeo Association, which is a parallel to the PRCA. It's just our own organization here in California. And so I went to the state queen title pageant for that. I walked in, I knew from the connection that I had with the judges. And I knew that as the second time competing for this, I knew that I was going to shine. Whether I won or not, I knew that this was going to be the pageant I was ending on. And I knew that this was the pageant that I was gonna be able to walk away with my head held really high because I knew that I could give my absolute best. When I got that title, I knew that I wanted to give it my heart because I knew I was ending on it. At that time, what we were doing for speeches was moving away from planned speeches and heading towards stemporaneous speeches. What does that even mean? So it was an impromptu <laughs> speech. Oh God. Yeah, so you got handed like 15, well, sometimes 15, sometimes it's three. You get handed a, an array of topics and you have five minutes to prepare a speech. And the pageant that I competed in, like, three weeks before that, I had the same exact thing. And I got on stage and I was like... <laughs> I can't even tell you what I talked about because it was just like, I was like, I lost already and I don't know. I showed up at horsemanship. My feet didn't even reach the stirrups and... Oh, no. Yeah. But uh, we're going to just roll with this. And then I got to this pageant and I was like, done. And so when I got off stage, I just... I, I didn't know that I won, but I knew that I gave my absolute best. And so when I got crowned, I just felt kind of validated, but also really grateful that the title I get to end with was with a queen committee that I absolutely adored, who really adored me, who really helped me grow into who I am. I mean, even three years later, like I'm still good friends with them. Yeah, that was just kind of the evolution of my learning how to one be a good loser but also to be even a gracious winner and that was how it felt to win <laughs> when you look back on that whole process is there something that you would change or something that you would do differently no i would not change anything so i almost to a downfall am a helper and i'm also not necessarily a people pleaser because i don't lose myself to help others but one of the greatest parts of my cleaning journey is the friendships that I made. Like I talked about how my girlfriend is going to be 2022. <laughs> That's so weird to think about. I'm like stuck on 2020. So 2022 Miss California Rodeo Queen. And in 2014, I got to meet her 
through our first trials together. And from that, her and I have developed a really great friendship and we have a whole group of girls that I'm really close with still to this day. I have friends all over the country that I'm really close with because of this and because of the process and the decisions that I made during the process, I'm able to say that. And so I would not change anything about it. I think the one thing that I would maybe give myself a little bit more grace with would be learning to adapt to it because it is a learning curve and being someone that has really strong opinions i came across very opinionated at times and so learning to be a little bit more graceful to myself with that maybe i would have adapted to a little bit sooner too but i don't think i would have changed anything else what is something if someone was interested in becoming a rodeo queen like some words of wisdom so if you are interested in becoming a rodeo queen, the first thing I would tell you is do it for the right reasons. Don't do it because you want to meet people. Don't do it because you want to be in the rodeo, but you can't get there anyway else because you're going to not have a good time, to be fully honest. The other thing is hold yourself to high standard because as a rodeo queen, we do get held to a really high standard. We cannot be married. We cannot have had children. We cannot have tattoos showing. We can't have more than our ears pierced, like our single holes pierced. Hence why the second I gave up my crown, I got my nose pierced. <laughs> I was like, I'm old, I'm aged out. I'm getting a nose piercing because we do age out at 25. Also be aware of the social standards that we have. You cannot be out drinking. You cannot be flaunting your boyfriend at a rodeo they need to be seen not heard out of the gate area unless they're bringing you a water they need to be away from you the standards were set for us in the 30s and they are still held to that standard and i kind of love it like it's kind of funny people are like oh that's so old-timey like how have you not evolved with it like women should be allowed to have their boyfriend or express themselves through piercings and to an extent yes but at the same time you're willingly giving up your time to do this knowing what the standards are before you go into it and don't think that now that you have the crown you're allowed to waver on those because most queen titles will call you out on it so that is kind of the downfall of it is if you do have a little bit of a wilder side to you having a rodeo background i sometimes felt into the wilder side of it because i did grow up with some of the boys that were competing and some of the girls that were competing and we do have a little bit more of a rambunctious side to us when you're on the other side of the arena instead of the ambassador side as an athlete side and you just kind of have to accept the fact that not everyone's gonna like you you also have to be ready to be the face and get asked the hard questions and realize that it's not personal and just embrace the journey because if you go into it thinking one thing but you're not willing to adapt to how your year unfolds like the queens of 2020 and 2019 that got very shafted with no rodeos and then had to carry their title over to 2021 you have to learn to adapt and so the one thing that i would say to people that are interested in it is do it for the right intentions do it because you love the sport do it because you want the opportunity to travel all over the country potentially even the world to represent rodeo and do it with a kind heart because you have to have a kind heart not just to your sport but to yourself to be able to adapt to the not so pretty sides to it sometimes i definitely can attribute a lot of who i am today as a person to that and it's kind of funny because I don't think I realized it or grew as much from it as I did the year outside of it because now with looking back onto it 
I can look back and be like, wow, I can speak in front of a room of multiple thousands of people and have complete confidence in doing that. I can also have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone with adverse opinions and have a completely friendly conversation with that, which I probably would not have been able to. But I also am able to look in the mirror and be like, you need to be nice to yourself and you need to adapt to these changes, which I learned through the process of queening. Tell me more about your personal life. So college and photography and that sort oh, of stuff. Oh yes, I'm a wedding photographer. Yes. After high school, I moved to Tahoe. I lived in Truckee, which is in North Lake Tahoe. And I did not know what I wanted to be because I left at 17 and I knew that I liked my horse and that was all I had going for me. Why Tahoe? So my high school boyfriend and I broke up graduation night and I was supposed to go to San Francisco for the Academy of the Arts to study photography. And it was kind of like a shock to my system to have the guy that had been dating for so long to like not have him anymore. So I was like, well, I'm independent and I can do what I want. And my childhood friend was moving to Tahoe to kind of learn how to be on her own away from her parents, but like in a controlled environment because her family had a cabin up there. And like a week after graduation, I was like, if you buy me a job and a place for my horse, I'm moving with you. And she was like, done. So that was on Thursday and the next Tuesday I moved up there. And then I was supposed to come home to go to college and I just didn't. And I enrolled in junior college. I took 18 units of everything, everything from criminology, psychology, art history, sociology, business, and then hated mall. <laughs> I hated school, but I always went, I did full-time anything from 16 to 19 units. I spent six summers up there and just kind of learned what I wanted. I got an associate's degree in abnormal psychology and business administration. And then to finish my degree, I had more units in my business course. So I transferred back home to Sonoma State to finish my degree at Sonoma State. And I graduated with the drive to like do it more to please my father who is not around so i hated that went to start working at an accounting firm lasted literally a month and quit went back to bartending and during the pandemic i also got back into photography with the goal of having a third of what i accomplished and i'm starting to get bit back more to my roots with my photography so as someone in the horse world, I started photography in high school, taking photos of my friends at rodeos, a little bit more action shots. So kind of bringing it back full circle, I tried to get back into doing a little bit more of equine photography and I'm niched down to being a wedding photographer and I absolutely love it. I love the connection between two people in love and sharing their story in a non oh, look how pretty your engagement ring is. And more of like a, look how cute your nose wrinkles when he makes you smile or she makes you smile or whatever, or they, them. I try to be really inclusive with my photography and it's brought me a lot of joy to bring that back full circle and get more involved with doing more Western way of life themed couples that embrace their Western way of life heritage and their ranching heritage or their farming heritage and showing off a little bit more of that. And so that's my goal for 2022 is to 
not necessarily rebrand fully, but to go back towards that. Just more agriculture in general. As much as I love my horses, I want to have that back as my brand pillar, but my horses are just a part of my passion and I am really passionate about agriculture as a whole and the whole Western way of life. After I realized accounting was not for me, I considered going back to college for a law degree in sustainable agriculture and going into policy writing because living in California, we do produce over 80% of all produce from meat, eggs, and all of our citrus and nuts. So it was kind of hard to watch family friends that have ranches and farms have to fight so hard for just something as basic as water for feeding most of our country. So that was something that really struck a passion for me. And I am still very passionate about it. And I will always talk to anybody that has questions or wants to talk about water rights and land use and all that stuff, which is kind of funny because I feel like being a rodeo queen kind of helped me go full circle with that because I did have to learn policies and I had to learn what was really behind the bills that were getting passed for political reasons. And so that opened my eyes a bit more to the adversities that our farmers and ranchers were experiencing at a Washington DC level and Capitol Hill level and not just, oh, we're in a drought, you can't water your plants. Like, no, that's not really what's happening. And being a photographer, I get to share a little bit more of just Oh, you can buy fruit at the store. Well, let's talk about the farmer and the family that's behind that and share their love story that not just produces the next generations of farmers, but also puts all that love into what they do for a living and what they do to feed all of us. If someone wanted to get a hold of you in terms of photography um, or rodeo queening and yeah. wanted to chat with you, how do they get in touch with you? So you can find my photography stuff at Sydney J Photography. That's J-A-I, S-Y-D-N-E-Y, J-A-I, photography at gmail.com is my email. And then you can also find me at sydneyjphotography.com. And if you have questions about rodeo and rodeo queening, you can just shoot me an email at that email and just put the subject rodeo queening and I'm all open for you. And we have a lot of really cool people in the community that if I can't answer it for you, I'm more than happy to give references and stuff like that. Cool. So what is something within the horse community, queening community, wherever you want to take it, that you'd like to see evolve or change? And how can you implement that change if you're not already? After a couple conversations with some of my friends that are ropers and ranchers in the community, I think the biggest thing that needs to change is our one-way mindedness and our lack of ability to adapt to changing times and the lack of mental health awareness. It's been pretty interesting to see things come full circle because I obviously can't talk for the English world because I only did it for such a short period of time. but. When you grow up in the Western world, we get told, oh, cowgirls don't cry. Oh, cowboys don't cry. Oh, suck it up. Rub some dirt in it. You'll be fine. And it's not just, oh, you fell off your horse. Rub some dirt in it. It's, I got broken up with. Or a friend of mine committed suicide. Or I lost an entire year's worth of profits because our crop got frozen. You know? So we just get told to suck it up and deal with it. And no one ever asks you to talk about it or how we can mentally recover from that stuff. And I think that's something that, especially more towards the men in our community, not just like the rodeo queen world, because that's something also that 
in the rodeo queen world, our mental health really needs to be taken into consideration because you do get put under a lot of pressure to be a certain look. I dyed my hair blonde for it. I like went white, white bleach blonde because that was that look? Yeah, it was the look that Miss Rodeo America's had for the last 25 years. She's always been blonde. She's always been a size four. She's always been five, six. I did everything else that I could to fit that mold. And I never took in consideration of like the loss of identity, which is why I felt that I had such a big growth after I gave up my title because it took so long to realize who I was without a crown, mm -hmm. who I was without having a pageant to prepare for and in the rodeo community and the agriculture community as a whole we don't really get asked like how are you feeling today not like how are you but like how are you feeling today and especially in the rodeo community it's a really dangerous sport horses in general is a really dangerous sport and we lose people all the time and no one asks you are you doing okay can do you want to talk about it in a world where suicide is super prevalent no one is asking you how are you feeling since we lost so-and-so? How are you handling the process of losing a friend that you grew up with and riding with and stuff? And I think that's something we need to do more to further our health mentally and emotionally and become a little bit more emotionally intelligent with that. There's guys all over the country that are a bit more emotionally intelligent in our community, but we're kind of seeing it, especially now with COVID and all of the political adversities and everything, everyone's just buckling down and like doubling down on how they were raised or how they were told to think and they're not really willing to like dig deep into how they feel and actually feel comfortable to share it because they're afraid of getting made fun of or being left out or whatever it is. And I think that's something that we really need to learn to adapt away from and learn to accept more people as they are. And I think one of the best ways to do it and the ways that I do it is I don't care what your walk of life is. I want to embrace you. And that is part of the reason that as a photographer, I am going a bit back more to my roots of it because I am an embracer of all love, whether that's the love between you and your horse, whether that's the love between you and your partner, whether that's just the love of you and your job. I want to share that story and I want to give you a platform to share that story. And obviously you're doing it through spoken word and I do it more through a photograph, but being able to share that story in a safe place where you can have emotions where you can say I'm not okay today and this is why I'm not okay today is something we really need to have a bit more of a softer heart towards and just because you don't agree with me and just because I don't see exactly how you're coming from doesn't mean you're wrong and it doesn't mean that I'm right or wrong and that's something that we really need to ex like learn to accept and learn to embrace. I love that answer. <laughs> cool. Um, I think that's it. Ooh. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to Stable Connections. This is your host, Shauna Burke. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, like, comment, share on both Instagram and Facebook. And if you or someone you know wants to chat with me, don't forget to email stableconnections.sb at gmail.com. New episodes will come out every Monday morning starting January 2022. See you next week.